So we've come to the word of the Lord this morning. And I want to talk to you this morning about something which I believe touches everybody in this place. And I know I've got the topic there, at your word I will. But I want to talk to you about discouragement. Discouragement. As you've noticed, we've walked away a little bit from the book of Peter going through verse by verse. And just something over the last two weeks happened with me. And you know, we all are the same. We are people. We are not machines. You can't put a floppy drive in. Okay, that's old. I know I sound like a very old man now. But you can't put a new technology or a new brain into your computer. We're not like that. We are people. We've got emotions. And things that happen around us touch us. And we get discouraged. Is it, is it you this morning? Do you from, from time to time get discouraged? And then when you're in that state of discouragement, the enemy, old Lucifer, Satan, he loves to see you when you're discouraged. Why? Because he starts nipping away at your ear and he says, you are a failure. You have failed. Somebody ever told you that you failed? Have you told yourself that? Yeah, it happens. Let's be honest with one another. It happens. Self-talk is one of the biggest problems when people get discouraged. You don't need the devil to come and tell you that you're a failure. You, you just tell it yourself. You know, there you go. You look in the mirror and you go, ah, oh, you've blown that now. And you become discouraged. So I want to talk to you about that and I want to use the passage in the, in the book of Luke chapter 5. We're going to see here an event that happens. And we see all playing off in this little boat. So let's open up in your Bible in Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read from verse 1. Luke chapter 5 verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed upon Him. I love the Word of God. Do you? And every word in the Bible has got meaning. Who believes that? It says here, the multitude pressed about him to hear him. What did he do? Did he push them away? Did he look at them and say, you dirty, rotten sinners? I don't want to be associated with you, did he? No. He always welcomed them. He welcomed the sinners. Listen, let me say this to you. We had a men's breakfast yesterday morning, and I said these words at that breakfast. We can look at Jesus right through the Bible, right through when He dealt with people. He loved sinners. He hates sin, but He loved sinners. But He was very harsh with hypocrites. Not with sinners. He was very harsh with them. He spoke with them loud and clear. And He says, you are like tombstones, whitewashed on the outside, rotten bones on the inside. Even John the Baptist, he said, you brutal vipers, very hard words to the hypocrites. What is a hypocrite? It's an actor to give something that he is not. Church is full of them. You don't have to tell me that. People who don't want to come to church tells us that. The church is full of hypocrites. But Jesus loves the sinners. Why do I say this? Because for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave His only begotten Son. He loved the world. He loved sinners. He doesn't hate people. He doesn't hate sinners. He hates sin. And here we see as the multitude pressed 
about him to hear him. He didn't push them away. He welcomed them. And then what is happening there? He says, as the multitude pressed upon him to hear the word of God. This excites me. What did they come to hear? Gimmicks? Did they come for the, for the smoke machines, for the dim lights, for the buildings? Did they come for any tricks of the trade or anything? Did they? Come and you tell me. What did they come for? To hear the word of God. Oh, my prayer today in this world is that people will come to hear the word of God. But they do not want to hear the word of God anymore. This is why churches who preach the word of God is empty. They want all the gimmicks, all the fluff, all the rubbish. Tell us stories. Tell us about you, preacher. You are the man. You are so charismatic. We will follow you because you're a well-spoken man. No, no. They didn't come for that. They came for what? For the Word of God. Oh, I love the Word of God. I love the Word of God. It's so wonderful if you open up the Word and you start reading through it and the Scripture starts speaking to you. Is that how you feel about it? It's, it's better than food. It's better than water. Once you open it up and you can read the mind of God and it speaks to you and it corrects a crooked way that you are living in and you sit there and the word is alive with you. You see, Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. He says, the word of the Lord. Everybody say the word of the Lord. Come on. The word of the Lord endures forever. If you want something today that's going to endure forever, what is it? The Word of the Lord. Peter says it endures forever. Everything changes. Politicians change their minds. Who knows that? Politicians change their minds. People change their minds. I change my mind. Often I do. And you can say, but yesterday you said that I said, yeah, but I've changed my mind because I think different of it now. But the word of God endures forever. And he says, now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The same word that was preached to those people is preached to everybody in this place. In this place. The people pressed upon Jesus. They pressed upon him. They wanted to hear something. They didn't want it just to see the miracles. There was one part in the Bible when they came. The Greeks came to them and say, they said, We want to see Jesus. And what did he say? He said these people came for what? Signs and miracles. I'll tell you what, if we put up a poster and a banner outside and we go, Miracles is going to happen here. You know, somebody, we're preaching from a dead house, you know, a funeral home. But we're going to raise somebody from the grave, from dead. I tell you what, this place will be packed. We won't have seats around. Because people will come to see the show. Lay them out here. You know, bring it out here from the back and lay them out here. And let's all pray and lay hands up. And whoa, they wake up and they're alive. People, this place will be packed. This, this is what people want to see today. But these people pressed upon Jesus to what? To hear the word of the Lord. You see... Paul writes the same in Thessalonians. I like this. He says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For this reason, for this reason we also thank God without ceasing. Why did he say that? Because those people were worshiping and serving God. Because when you received what? The word of God. 
When you receive the, oh Lord, help me to just keep on preaching the word of God in this place. Listen, I want to tell you, I give you the right. If this preacher stopped preaching the word of God, go away. Leave this church. I give you the right this morning. If this preacher standing here preaches anything else but the word of God, come to me and speak to me and tell me in my face, you are not preaching the word of God. We should preach the word of God. Can't say it more than enough. He says, because you received the word of God. You see, there's a receiving taking place here in this verse, which you've heard from us. You welcomed not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you while you believe. It effectively, effectively works in you while you believe. This is what the Word of God can do. This is what it do. You look at that family member, you look at that person, and you say, that person will never change. Oh, let me tell you something, brother and sister. Let me tell you something. The Word of God changes people. It changes people. It changed me. It will change you, and it will change everybody. It says it right there. Effectively works in you who believe. You see that? You see that? We're going to come back to the story of Jesus on the boat, but I just thought I want to emphasize here what the people came for on this day. Who knows? Who knows in the crowd there might, might have been people who were discouraged. Maybe somebody came there. Maybe somebody walked on the dusty roads all the way in the sun. I don't know. We don't know. It doesn't say anything about the weather. We don't even know whether the sun was beating down on them. We don't know whether the wind was blowing. We don't know whether there were food. We don't know these people, but they pressed upon Him. They had a need. They had a need, and they came to the Master. And they pressed on Him. Now Paul says to these people in Thessalonians, he says, The Word of God, which also effectively works in you. You see the words there? In you who believe. How does it work? Have you ever thought about it? How does it work? How does the Word of God work in you? Well, we've got the Word of God to explain that to us. Who loves the Word? Who loves the Word? It says it right there in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 11. Look at this now. He says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. That rest. What rest is he talking about? Rest in Jesus. Rest from your troubles. Rest from your despair. Rest from where you are that you feel discouragement. You need to do something. You feel a failure. People are bounding upon you. They say you're a failure. He says, let's be diligent to enter into that rest. Now, he was talking about a rest of a sinful nature into the freedom of Christ, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Look now. Look now. Listen. They came for what? The Word of God. Peter said the Word of God endures forever, which is now the Word which is the Gospel was preached to you. Paul says in Thessalonians, for this reason we, Paul, Paul and the apostles, preach this to you. And now Paul says to him, to them, he says, the word which works effectively in you, in you. Now look at him in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. He says, for the what? Come on, you shout it out. 
For the word of God is what? Is living. Oh, but wait a minute, preacher. That's an old book. It's just an old book, isn't it? Can a book talk? Have you listened very closely? Have you heard your book talk? No. No, no, the word of God is living. It becomes alive through the Holy Spirit. First of all, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. John chapter 1, verse 1. And the Word was God. That is Jesus, the Logos. And He gave us the Logos, but He also gave us the Rima, the spoken Word. We speak so, so perfectly in, in John chapter 17 about both of those is in John chapter 17. He says the Word of the God is living and what? Powerful. I've seen the Word of God change people's lives with mine own eyes. I've seen them. I've seen vile people. Once you start sharing the word of God to them, they change. It's powerful. It's living. And it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing. Piercing between division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. And look at this now. It's the discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the what? That's what the word do. These people came to Jesus. They pressed upon him. They wanted to hear the Word of God. Why did you come to church this morning? Did you come to hear me preach? Forget it. Forget it. There's way better preachers than me. Did you come here for the food? Forget it. There's way more better food than this. You go into the city and you buy some food from the most brilliant chefs in, in the land. Did you come here for the fellowship? That's good. But if you came here for the Word of God, guess what's going to happen? He's going to discern your thoughts and the intents of your heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open. Now look at this now. He said, when they came to him uh, to hear the word of God. That's where I went on my little tangent there, Brett. Talking about the word of God. That he stood by the lake of Gennesareth. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, and, which was Simon's, and he asked of him to put it a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. How many is a multitude? Is it more than one? Is it more than two? It's a lot of people. So Jesus was pressed upon by these people. They all came close to him. Everybody wanted to hear him. And he went to Simon and he says, just push me a little bit of land. And he started speaking to them. And he says to them in verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, he was sitting in Simon's boat, he says, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter is a fisherman. I think it's a very good thing to ask him to do. But Simon Peter answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. They worked through the night, night shift. Caught nothing. Nevertheless, and this is our theme, our topic, at your word I will let down the net. And when they had gone, done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. This is uh, uh, perhaps John uh, uh, from Ze the sons of Zebedee with their boat. Come over here, fellas. Come over here. Look, our nets are breaking. 
and the other boats, and they came and filled both of the boats, so that they began to sink. Can you imagine this? That's a big catch, man. That's a lot of fish. They began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Oh, you know when Jesus said, Let down your, your nets into the water? He called those fish, man. He says, Hey, you fish over there. I'm not writing into the Bible, okay? Don't you turn around and say, You're changing the word of God. He says, You schools of fish over there. It's time to come and teach these guys a lesson. You're a school, aren't you? A school of fish. You teach something in a school, don't you? Come to school. Swim in these guys' nets. We teach them a lesson. We teach them. He says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And there in verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Multitudes came and pressed upon Jesus. These disciples, these fishermen, Working all night long, saw the miracle. They forsook and left it all, and they followed him. So I want to talk to you about discouragement. Think about this, men. I came across this, and I think some of you will know this, this saying. It says, winners are not people who never fail, but people who never quit. Have you heard this before? Yes. Winners aren't those people who never fail. Have you failed in your life? I've failed so many times. I said to you this last two weeks, yes, me too. You think, well, you're a preacher, you're a pastor, man, you're walking about the, the, the clouds. No, I'm living in the world like you. And for two weeks, you know, I've, I've just felt, man, I, I, I prayed and, and, and then just this week I got a result back and I worked so hard on this thing and it didn't happen. I feel I failed. And when I prayed about it, this message came about. And, and this, I saw this. Winners are not people who never fail, but people who never quit. You see, the definition for the word of fail is to try something, but you didn't get the results you've expected. Is that you? You look at the results. It's not what I expected. It didn't work. It's a failure. We see this in business. I've had my own business before. Praise the Lord, they all worked out. They didn't fail to extend that I had to give it up, but it didn't work out for some people. And then what do you say? It's failed. It's a failure. What about friendships? You tried so hard in a friendship, and then it breaks down, and the more you try to get it going, the more it fails. And what does it do? It makes you discouraged, isn't it? And you feel like a failure. That's what it means, to try something, but you didn't get the result you've expected. The word quit here means the following. It means to stop doing what you've been doing because it failed. So now it makes sense, this slogan. Winners are not people who never fail, those people who never, you know, who come to a point where they didn't get the results. But winners are people who never quit. You know, some people if in business, they failed and then they stopped doing it, they quit. That's not when you're winning. 
Somebody said this. They said being defeated is often a temporary condition. Giving up is what makes it permanent. Isn't that true? It is so true. Being defeated is temporary. You know, thinking that you failed is temporary. But sometimes you think it's going to last forever. I often say to young people when they come to, to a really dark place in their lives, I say, look, today's not the rest of your life. Today's only but one day of your life. Tomorrow the sun will come up again. It doesn't matter how dark it is today. But here is the thing, do not give up. Stand up and do it again. Listen to this one. Just because you failed, don't make you a failure. And just because you lost, don't make you a loser. Who believes that is true? You're not a loser when you just lost. I looked at a documentary, just I think it was in the beginning of the year. They had five sports people who lost. And you know, these people throw everything in their lives into this. And if they lost... It could be devastating for them. We saw the effects of a lot of sports people after they go out of sport. But these five people were turning their lives around and today they're an inspiration and an impact for young people and for people. They are losers according to the world, but in themselves they are winners because they didn't throw it in. And then what about this one, the last one this morning? He says, failure is only the opportunity to begin again. Only this time more wisely yes I've failed many times in my life what do I do when I fail I learn I learn so next time when I'm going to do it and there's an opportunity I'm more wisely I'm not going to make the same mistakes again you say preacher you're throwing us all of these sayings out of the world but it is so effective in what I want to tell you this morning because if we think about these fishermen and we think about what they went through and we look into the Bible we find similar people think about Paul the mighty apostle if you think about this man in, in Acts chapter 9, he just had his conversion. He just, Jesus disappeared, appeared to him. He comes out, he's full of zeal. He wants to tell people about Jesus, what he did for him. He goes into the synagogue, start preaching to them. First of all, they're afraid of him because he, he, he persecuted them. But when he turned to them and he preached to them, what did they want to do? They wanted to kill him. They had to let him out of the wall in a big basket. Because they, the Jews were looking to kill this man. He had to flee to Tarsus. And for eight to nine years, this man, who in the book of Acts met Jesus, he's saved. He's got all of this knowledge that he learned in the university. Was sitting for eight to nine years and you don't hear about him. Nothing. Don't you think at any stage there he could have felt discouraged? But then on the day Barnabas appears, and he went, and the Bible actually says that he went, there in, in chapter uh, 11, he, he went and searched for, for Paul, or for Saul. He went and asked and looked for him. But Paul would have felt, I'm a failure. I went to my people and they didn't want to hear me. What about Peter? You remember old Peter? Lord, Lord, I will never forsake you. What did he do? What did he do? When the crow cried, he forsook him. Yes, he turned his back on him. What about David? 
A man after God's own heart. You remember him? Did he fail? Of course he failed. He looked at Bathsheba and what did he do? He lusted after her. And what about Moses and Abraham? And man, I can name them all up to you. All of these men in the Bible once failed. But they stood up. They come to the Lord and so did you and I. You and I failed. So let's go back to our passage. From verse 1 to 3, the multitude pressed upon the Lord to hear him. And he saw these boats standing by the lake. And, and the fishermen were sitting there washing their nets. You remember? If you wash your nets, it means you're finished. You went through the night, they said to Jesus. There's no fish. They're sitting there, and now they're preparing their nets for the next night. Out in the day, finished. And Jesus used this boat. He comes to Simon Peter. He says, can I get onto your boat? And it's so amazing for me that he's using this boat's purpose for different. It's a fishing boat, but he's going to sit on the fishing boat to preach to the people and to teach them. You see, then he turns to Simon after he stopped speaking. And he said to Simon, launch into the deep and lay down your nets for the cats. What he's asking of Simon, and I want you to listen carefully this morning, is he's asking him a step of faith. He says, Simon, I want you to trust me. Simon, throw in your nets. And, and look, honestly, I can sit there where Simon sits there, because the next word in my Bible in verse 5 is, but. What is that? A sharp contrast. He said, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, Master. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. It's as if he turned to him and says, Jesus, honestly, I'm a fisherman. I know fishing business. I go out every day. I know how the wind changes. I know how to catch fish. You are a carpenter. You, I mean, let's face it. Do you know about fish? You know about wood. It's like, I'm not a mechanic, okay? I drive a car and the only thing that I know about a car is you, you push the button and the engine starts. Now if you get me and you say, Brett, if you get me and you say, John, you know my engine is wrong, I want you to come, I'm a pen pusher, you know what that is? I can use a pen and write a lot of stuff. I don't work in engines, but if you call me over and you go, come and help me over here and I start taking things apart, you better get worried. I remember when I was a young boy, I mean, the, my first, my dad was a very good mechanic, okay? He built cars and he built engines and he was very good in that. And, and a lot of you brothers can help yourself. I always pray, say, Lord, in the church, please send a few mechanics in because I'm going to need them. But when I was young, my dad wanted to teach me. He says, there's a lawnmower. There's something wrong with it. And I took the thing so apart, man, and I started putting it back. At the end, I had a full bucket of nuts still left. I got that, I... This, look at this stuff. They gave us all these free nuts. That machine never worked again. Never. We had to throw it away. Jesus, come on. I mean, throw the nets in again. We've been there the whole night. It's hard work to be on these ships the whole night. For throwing in the nets, pulling them out. Nothing. Throwing them in, pulling them out. Nothing. Discouragement. I've tried. Lord, we've tried, we've failed. We throw them in and sometimes, look, we think so, it's so easy. Sometimes they throw the nets in and it gets stuck on a rock at the bottom. What do you do? You pull harder. It takes effort. 
And this is sometimes us. We put so much effort into something, into a relationship, into a business, into whatever thing it is that is really emotional to you. And then it gets stuck on the rock at the bottom. And you pull so hard that you tear the net. And then what do you need to do? You sit there in the dark with a little lamb and you mend the net. Because if you do not catch the fish, then you do not have a business. The business failed. They didn't pack it in. So maybe three o'clock in the morning, they've just meant the net. Throw it in again. Pull it out. Nothing. Can you feel when he turns to Jesus and he says to him, Master, we've toiled. You see he uses the word toil there. We've toiled the whole night and we caught nothing. But this is now what he asked him. He asked him to have faith. He says to him, Nevertheless, at your word, I will lay down the net. I love those words. You know, brother and sister, when you pray, I want you to pray to God. When he asks you a step of faith, you say to him, Nevertheless, nevertheless, at your word, why do you think when I started out I laid so much emphasis on the Word when I, right at the beginning when I went into the Word of God? Because there's power in the Word of God, isn't there? Let's face it. The doctor can say something to you, Jesus says something else, who are you going to believe? Your friends come to you and they say, Mochetrocha, it's all dead. Mogetroge is a South African thing, okay? It means it's kaput. Eit en gedaan, klaar. Daar is niks lewe in om nie. It's dead. Kaput. Your friends might say that, but Jesus says something else, and what happens? You say to him, nevertheless, at your word, I will let it down. And this is how we beat the spareness in your life discouragement in your life. We come to Him because He's got the words of life. He's the one who says to you, throw your net in again. And now He takes a step of faith. He says, nevertheless, I will do it. Jesus is asking me of this faith. Now what is the definition for faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What did they hope for? For fish. They wanted to have the fish. The evidence of things not seen. When they threw in the nets, could they see the fish? No. On His word they did that. He said throw in the nets. And they went and they threw in the nets. Could they see the fish? No. That is what faith is. You take a step when you don't sin. When you have faith, you trust or believe in something or someone very strongly. Now the question is again, I want to come back to this point. What solidified Simon's faith? What made Simon to say, nevertheless, at your word I will? Because he already told him, he said, Lord, I'm a fisherman, there's no fish there. And we've worked so hard. He's already told that to Jesus. But what made him, what made him to say, nevertheless, we'll do it, and then he did it? Let me show you. Matthew 7, 28, he says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that people were astonished at what? At his teaching. 
For he taught them as one of having authority, not as the scribes. So not only is the word of God living and it's powerful, but it's also have authority. And Jesus speaks that word into, he says to him, throw in your net. And what did he do? He says, at your word, I will do this. So, what is the reward of having faith? We find it in verses 6 to 8. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking. So they signaled for their partners to come. That's the reward. If you have faith, God will reward your faith. And then, what is the result of having faith? The result, they forsook every single thing and they followed Him. I just wanted to say that to you this morning. It's not a long, drawn-out sermon. I believe that people are discouraged. I believe that people sometimes, oftentimes, feel that I'm a failure. But this morning, I've got good news for you. You see... If I ask you, how about you this morning? What is your circumstances? Are you a failure? Are you a failure? Have you come to a point where you're discouraged? I don't want you to pass that discouragement on to other people. I want you to come to Jesus. I want you to get into the boat with Jesus. He was sitting with Simon in Simon's boat. Discouraged. The whole night worked hard. Washing the nets. They've given up. They've quit it. And he turns to them and he says to them, throw in your nets again. One more time. Throw it in. Nevertheless, at your words, I will. And this is what I want to say this morning before we pray. Launch out into the deep and lay down your nets. Okay? Will you do that? Will you come to Jesus to listen to His word? To lay upon Him? To ask Him to to take charge of your life. And when He talks to you, when He says to you, let out your needs, have faith in Him to do that. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You this morning, Father. I thank You that we can come to You. In this world, Father, which is darkening, Father, which is pressing down, but this morning we've got hope, we've got good news, and that good news is Jesus. Jesus.